You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and it's time for a bit of transfer talk. Inevitably, when the international break comes along, Arsenal get linked with a whole host of players. But there are a couple of links that have really jumped out to me over the last few days and I felt at the very least it would be worth discussing them. Now as many of you know I'm a massive fan of Serie A. I do quite a bit of work on Serie A and I cover Italian football very very closely but I've decided to go one better and bring somebody onto the show today with a far greater knowledge of the Italian game to bring you guys some insight into the two players that Arsenal are currently being linked with. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, Martino Puccio, journalist, uh, member of the State of Play podcast. How are you, sir, first of all? Good, good. Finally, uh, great to uh, chat with you. I apologize for uh, Greece's fate yesterday. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about that um, for the World Cup, but I'm good. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad. And as far as Greece go, they've just, ever since Euro 2004, nothing will ever live up to that. Everything else feels like an anti-climax. And um, they're a very average team. They're, they're poorly managed. And I don't think anybody was surprised uh, from a Greek perspective or, uh, around the way it kind of unfolded yesterday. Really disappointing that they didn't even give it a go. I think that's what what the frustration yeah, is, you know. Yeah. Spain cruising through that game and and, and taking uh, a vital three points with, of course, Sweden getting beat earlier in the day. So, yeah, frustrated, but it is what it is. And um, I don't really have too much skin in the international football world, so it's kind of easy for me to move on from stuff like that. But, um, of course, Italy, they're, they're in action this evening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, against Switzerland. So, basically, it's whoever takes this one, it'll more, more than likely end up... Um, you know, winning the group. Um, a draw would make things very interesting. I brought up to a bunch of people, you know, there's still that potential of Italy versus Sweden again if it goes to a playoff. So I think a lot of people don't really want to resurface all that, but it's a little bit different, you know, because it's one off uh, with the semifinal and a final to get into uh, the World Cup itself. But yeah, I mean, listen, uh, a bevy of injuries. We'll see what happens, you know. Um, again, like you were just saying with Greece in 2004, we just won, but then again, it's like you missed two World Cups in a row, potentially. That's, I mean, that's even the Euro wouldn't even be able to uh, cover that. Yeah, I'm sure. I think, though, to be fair, I think the the level in expectation between Italy mm, and Greece yeah, is, is hugely exactly. different, right? Yeah, and yeah. Italy to miss a second successive World Cup would be a disaster. Uh, whereas for Greece to, to fail to, to qualify, then, you know, it's not really a surprise to anyone. But and a tougher well, group. Go ahead. It's a tougher, it's a tougher group for Greece, anyways. Um, it's, it's not to really harp on it. I mean, the bet the best that Italy have to face off against the Switzerland, like you, mm. you draw against Bulgaria, you're asking to uh to get um in a difficult spot. But yeah, I digress on this. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh big hello to Banos as well, who uh, is mentioned in Cyprus's six nil uh defeat to Russia. Yeah, that was that was awful. And um some of the goalkeeping and some of the defending in general in that game. I mean 
some of the goals that Russia scored last night, not to go too far into it, but we're almost goals you score in the play. No, you weren't on mute by accident. You're good. Yeah, I think I'm back. I don't know what happened there. Minor uh, disconnect there. But yeah, I was just saying that some of the goals that Cyprus conceded against Russia were like playground goals, uh, which is really. I mean, so didn't Germany win 9 nothing right, against Liechtenstein? So even if with a red card, it's, I mean. Yeah. True. See the gap. True. Right. Uh, let's get into it then. Let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about. <laughs> and that is some of the links with some Serie A based players to Arsenal. And the first one is a link with Juventus's Dejan Kulusevski. Now, um, Martino, Kulusevski is a player that at times last season I thought looked quite useful, has struggled this season, uh, largely because he's not been picked. But I mean, I'm a little bit surprised by this one because it feels to me like Arsenal, having been linked with Vlavic recently, are now being linked with centre-forwards because of the fact that Alexander Lacazette is likely to leave the club at the end of the season. Kulusevski did play as part of a front two at various points last mm. season under Andrea Pirlo, but I don't see him necessarily as a striker. I do see him more of a right winger. Would you agree with that and, and tell us a little bit about what type of player he is? Yeah, absolutely. That's like the perfect thing that I was thinking of. Because when you met, when I saw those links, I was like, okay, well, here's a couple of things. The aging forwards that Arsenal have, it's only – I mean, it's it's main, it's the main talking point besides what Arteta was, right? It's like we have to get Lacazette off the books, right? Because we got all these other players that were overpaid. Like Otsil was uh, – at the forefront of that, it's like we have to get guys that are dead wages. Same thing with like Alexis Sanchez at, at, at the time um, who, who wanted out. But still, like it's it's been fiscal stuff. Um, I think this plays a part into it. Pepe, listen, I, I don't I don't mean any disrespect. I don't want to anger any fans, but it's a colossal bust of a transfer. It's not it, it, like you're talking about 80 million pounds here. It's not anything light. It's he should have been one of the ten, one of the five best uh, at his position in the league. Is he? Is he even one of the five best players on Arsenal? No, I don't think so. Um, so I think naturally the Kulusevski thing is this: Allegri is back. They have no interest. You see, he's rarely selected, as you mentioned. He's struggled. He's been inconsistent. Um, he's younger. Um, and and you know what? Who knows what the what the future would hold? Because they have to at Juve, they have to fit in. Dybala working with Chiesa and then have Morata there. There's not really a spot for him. You're not always going to put Chiesa on the left. He's much better on the right side, even if his work rate's great. So it leaves Kulusevski as an odd man out. You mentioned center forward, right wing. I think this is just, you know, it could be reporting, just trying to piece players together. You know, Kulu is more of a younger player with still some upside. Arsenal's core uh, at, at its best is is young very young and i think they probably say oh look here's a timeline that makes sense a player that could fit in a position of need and, and it would be all that i think he's going to end up leaving regardless come summertime if it in terms of january who knows it really depends on the position that they're in i mean they're in eighth place right now it's it's really bad skating at the moment um i i'm not sure I'm not sure what the fit would be like. I'm not even sure what the price tag would be like because they're already getting quoted for 80 million on a player that his contract's expiring in 2023. So who knows what Juve would do in this situation? He's a type of player that's very technical. He isn't physically dominant. Um, 
he's a little bit more lean than than some would like to admit. You kind of could see a little bit of him yesterday, if, if you could. He's best with the ball at his feet. There's no denying that. Um, I think it's really a confidence issue because all the big Serie A teams were after him. It was him. It was Juve versus Inter in the race for him. And Atalanta, I mean, he didn't play for Atalanta, but he was just one of those players again. And it's like, okay, we loan him out to Parma. He's dominating there. He's doing really well. And then the big move comes. It was supposed to be Inter at the time. Juve swooped in at, at, at the 23rd hour and they ended up signing him. And you know what? I It's difficult when a lot of these young players on Juve are having three managers in three years. It doesn't matter if you're a great club that won nine straight titles. You need that stability. You need players that are wanted by the manager in the first place, which he doesn't like a lot of these guys. These aren't like his players. Um, you can see the quotes with some of the managers in recent years. Sarri said it was an untrainable group, regardless of what you think of him. Pirlo was even struggling with them, even if he wasn't great, changing the formation every single week. No no similar starting 11. Uh, I, I really think it comes down to what's best for his career. I think what's best for his career is to leave. And, and I think adapting to the Premier League, that's probably more in your space to determine. Um, I obviously watch a good amount of it because Pet, my co-host, is also a big Arsenal fan, so I have to keep track of almost every time they played, and they improved greatly. I'm not too sure. Like, do you think it's the perfect signing for you guys? Because he's still a bit of a question mark. Do you need more? I think you guys need more assurances than, than you know, kind of going with another younger player and hoping the upside is reached. I'm really reluctant of, first of all, of taking these stories mega seriously at this moment in time. <laughs> yeah. First of all, because they're coming up during the international break, which naturally is a time where content drops off a bit. You know, we both work in the space. We both know that there will be challenges in the international break with regards to getting out content. And sometimes people can take the smallest bit of information and turn that into a bit of a story. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's definitely what's happening here. But when you look at Dejan Kulusevsky, 21 years old, um, a player who fits perfectly into the profile of player that Arsenal have been seen to try and capture this summer and, and look as though they're going to try and capture moving forward. It feels like a, a good shout. You think about uh, the fact that, you know, there is potential there, but he's not quite fulfilling it at this moment in time. Again, it feels like somebody Arsenal could then go and pinch for a reasonable price and hopefully reap the rewards for that moving forward. I'm a little bit, torn on this one because it depends what you see him as and and you can see here on the page that I've got shared on the screen for those of you watching us on YouTube that he does play as a well he has played as a striker at times under PLO as part of that front too he can play as a right winger he can play as a right midfielder I think the right midfield position is not a major major concern for Arsenal I agree with you um, generally about Nicola Pepe, that he hasn't hit the levels that, you know, we expected when we made that sort of investment in him. But I don't think he's a bad second choice option. And we know that Bukayo Saka is holding that position down at the minute. So I don't particularly see the right-hand side as an area in which Arsenal need to prioritise strengthening. Having said that, do I see him as a striker? No, not really. Um, I think he was someone that was shoehorned into that position by Pirlo in an attempt to make a system work. And therefore, I don't think he's the right solution to the potential departure of Alexander Lacazette either. So I, I don't really know how this fits into Arsenal's plan. I, I get the 
age profile thing. I get the fact that he's somebody with potential and I get the fact that he's somebody who has shown signs of, of going on to be a really, really good player. But I just, I, I don't really understand the fit here and I'm not sure how this one really, really works. Um, but a decent player, of course, and, and someone who I think probably will go on to have a pretty decent career. Just not sure it's it's what Arsenal need uh, right now. But a player who I also want to talk about, who I think Arsenal could really do with right now and is also <laughs> Serie A-based uh, and is someone that you, Martino, as a Milan man, uh, will know plenty about. And that is, of course, Frank Kessie. Um, talk to us a little bit about the midfielder. Um, he's an outstanding player. Tell us a little bit about him um, and the contract situation at Milan because there are uh, whispers coming out that there are some issues with regards to the negotiations there. Yeah, so we'll start with the type of player that he is. I don't think there is five players in Europe around this position that are more physical than him, especially in terms of strength. Um, as you can see, he's only 24. He has gone toe-to-toe with some of the more physical players that Italy has had to offer. Um, I thought he outplayed every single Manchester United midfielder when they met in the Europa League last year. You could argue he was the best player on the pitch for both teams. Um, he had that incorrect goal ruled off when it should have counted. You know, I'm still bitter about it. I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> don't worry, you guys even saw, too, so. yeah, you guys even saw a bit of him when we faced off a few years back in the Europa League. That was more of when he was, you know, when in odd position when they had him playing out wide as like you know like a seven or or a six. He wasn't really this this type of double pivot midfielder. Switching to the double pivot for him has been everything. Um, his work rate is unbelievable. He seemingly doesn't miss any games. His first bout with injuries was this season when he was returning from the Olympics and he and he picked up a knock that kept him out for a couple of matches. Then the international break happened. Um, we saw a lot of inconsistency this year. I have to say, I think it's largely in part to do with the contract situation. Because it's odd when a player comes in with a quote, and I mean, this happens all the time. I avidly follow the NBA. I live in America, for God's sake. So I see it happen. Players will say and do things that they really don't mean and change their mind on. The What he was saying after the Olympics was this, okay, I'm going to resolve this contract situation when I return. That was in August. We are now on November 12th, and... There has been nothing done. And every single time there is a quote from a journalist about what his agents are asking, Milan's offering around six, six and a half million net. He would be the highest played player on the club uh, next to Ibrahimovic, who obviously is getting that money based off of who he is. Um, but every single time they go back and, and you know discuss with him, the price goes up another half million or a million euros. And he's requesting nine million euro net. And as you know, as someone who follows Serie A, you have to be one of the 10 or five best players in the world at your position in order to warrant that, right? Because you can't, you can't be paying a player like that when there's in inconsistencies this season. There's, you know, a real lack of finishing that you see the goals pop up. He's good at penalties. It's not so much about him creating in the final third. He struggled mightily with finishing. He isn't the greatest passer in terms of creativity, but he won't put you into danger often. 
He's not going to be making these stupid passes that makes your defense scramble. It doesn't make your other midfield partner have to make up for your mistakes. I think he's done a lot better in terms of that, and that comes with experience over the years because they were, on average age, the youngest team that was playing in any European competition outside of like Ajax, and I think it was like one other club. But again, I think the player that he has developed into and entering into his prime is turning 25 next month. This is the perfect type of midfielder that any team that can afford him should go after. There shouldn't be any second guesses with this, um, whether it's Spurs that are linked. PSG is obviously linked because that midfield is, I mean, call a spade a spade. That's nothing impressive, in my opinion, considering their expectations. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens with Spurs. You guys being linked with him is interesting. I think this is a matter of money with him. I don't actually think if some fans are going to be sitting there like, well, does he want to go to Spurs or Arsenal if they're going to be potentially in the Europa League, right? Because competition for top four is fierce, even though Arsenal is in a good spot right now. Um, I would I would say that I don't actually think a sale is going to be happening in January. It would be really complicated to see something go down like that because of one of two things. One, if Milan's in the heat of this title race, why would you want to sell one of your best players now where – you could, yeah, you lose them for free at the end, but they've done that already with two players. It's more lucrative for the player and the agent involved in that because we know all about commissions. But if you're in the race for a title for your first one in 10 years, everyone's going to remember the title. And the scouting has been so good that you could easily replace them. They got a great replacement for one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They've got a better player at the number 10 position over Hakan Chalanoglu. I think they might be okay with taking that hit if he doesn't sign under their terms. And also there's AFCON. He's not going to be leaving in the middle of the month when he has to train for a major competition and then get obviously back with the club that he's going to be playing for. And then they have, you know, qualifiers again, and then the world cup happens. I think it is down to a matter of money and a fit. Um, I don't know. My gut would tell me that it's your heated rivals that land him. Because I think there's something about, you know, the money that Spurs are going to have to invest. They have no choice. Spurs have no choice but to invest now. Because if they don't, then everything that they did in terms of signing Antonio Conte is going to be undone by June. Like, he he would leave that fast. Is he a Conte midfielder, though? Because I feel like he's got the physical attributes that Conte would like as a midfielder. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's as good a passer of the ball as, let's look at Conte's last team, as a Brozovic, as a Barella, he doesn't yeah. seem that type of player for me. So do you think he would be a good fit for, for Conte? I, I trust, I, tr- I know, I know, I know. I trust that man that whenever he gets a player that he wants, they're going to succeed. Whether or not the general public agrees with the talent or the fit of it, I think he would fit in. Because it's about work rate with this manager half the time. I've seen him take over Italy where they almost make it to a semifinal with Jack Giannini playing as, as, as one of the main cogs in there. I think you're right. He's nowhere near the passer that Barella and Brozovic are. But he's a much better defensive midfielder than any of the two. And I think a lot of the issues that Spurs have right now... I've. I cannot stress enough how overrated I think that defense is. I don't see anything special with it. I think the goalkeeper is way over the hill and not past it. So hopefully a lot of the, the Gooner fans in the, in the comments section right now are happy with my assessment on them. I, I think 
where they're going and what they need to do, it would be that type of player that they could fit in there. They could easily afford the wages. And the same thing with Arsenal. I'm just, I'm just curious to see the kind of fit that um, he would go into that this sort of lineup that Arteta would deploy. Um, I, I think right now, besides your fullbacks, is probably the biggest position and area of need that you guys could easily improve. And not again, not to be disrespectful, I ha- I might see a hard time with this move going down because I see other clubs potentially jumping in on this. Like PSG is the king of, of these free transfers at this point. They don't care about these commissions. They don't care about the, the wages and salary. Like if they're paying Wijnaldum the amount of money that Wijnaldum's getting, I think Kessie's a better player. And especially long-term, I think they'd easily pay that amount. For, for me, and I guess the question is to, to you, is Arsenal going to pay 9 million euros net? Are they going to pay at least 8 million euros net? Is that something that they're willing to invest in? Because if they're willing to do that and meet those requirements, then I think they have a good chance of, of landing him. But in all reality, it's it, it's going to come down to the money and who offers the most. I think it'll come down to four teams or so. I think you guys could be in the mix. But again, it, it just really depends on what transpires the rest of the year. Because um, this this turnaround, I think, is legit for you guys. Do I think top four is in your future? I don't. I don't know about that. That might. It, it, it's a little too soon. But I think if you position yourselves well enough in terms of a project, I think you have a chance. The likelihood of it happening. I know I'm kind of repeating myself here. It's difficult to see. But again, the work rate is second to none. The strength is phenomenal. Um, the penalty taking. I will say I think he's regressed a little bit with that. If anyone's kind of seen or watched him with some of his run-ups, it's kind of where he is right now where Jorginho is, where, yeah, what was working for him was great when it was working, but now when you get figured out and you start second-guessing yourself and your run-ups are a little odd and your placement and your shots are poor, um, I think it gets into your head because his last few penalties over the course of even back to last season and to this or have been inconsistent. The placement hasn't been great. The power hasn't been great. Um, I would say maybe the only downside to this is worrying about the amount of minutes that he's played over the course of his career so far and how that really lasts over, you know, the length of the contract. Could he be burnt out by 30? I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a possibility. Um, but again, uh, it, this is a no-brainer for any team that has the amount of money that they I, have. See, I don't think Arsenal would have an issue paying his salary. Mm. I think, and and as someone who follows the Premier League and Serie A, I, I, there is a massive disparity in what the big Premier League clubs can pay wage-wise in comparison to those in Serie A. So I don't think 9 million, I mean, if we're talking 9 million euros, I think 200,000 pounds a week would be around about. 10 and a half million euros. So if we, you know, cut that back a little bit, just uh, this is poor maths on the spot, but say it was 180 (laughs) uh, a week. I think Arsenal would pay that if they felt he was worth it. I think they would pay that. So I don't think money's the issue um, when it comes to Arsenal. And I actually think that it is a position in which we could really do with another experienced combative midfield player, because, 
you know, we've got Granite Xhaka at the club alongside Thomas Partey. One of them is out with a long-term injury. Partey broke down last week and has broken down on numerous occasions since he joined the club. So there is a worry there. And beyond that, we're very thin and we're very light in that area. So I think Frank Kessie could be um, a viable option for Arsenal. I think you're right. I think there will be numerous clubs in the mix for him. Um, but I think if Arsenal, as you say, can sell the project, which I think Mikel Arteta and, and Edu have proven very good at doing in recent times, I think yeah. if they can do that, then I don't see why we should rule ourselves out of the race. But just before I let you go, uh, Martino, I just wanted to get your thoughts on another player quickly, uh, just briefly on this one, that Arsenal, again, have been linked with. Um, it's the Fiorentina striker, Dusan Vlavic. We read some reports last week that Arsenal would agree to fee with Fiorentina a large fee, uh, as was reported. I think it was about 80 million euros or whatever the fee was. Yeah. And that all of a sudden, uh, according to this very convenient report, uh, Dusan Vlavic's representatives are ignoring Arsenal's phone calls. Absolute nonsense, by the way. But um, what's your assessment of this player? Because he's a player who, outside of Italy, is getting a lot of attention now. Yeah. Um, is, he the, is he worth the hype? Is he, is he as, as good and as kind of, uh, you know, special i guess as, as some are making him out to be so this is a player that's been linked with milan as well because of their striker situation you have Giroud and, and ibrahimovic who are both 35 and older they wanted someone to kind of come in learn under the wings of the two that could also produce within the league at the same time not necessarily the champions league last season was his breakout season it was just something that was you know out of the blue them they had Pepe Yakini as the manager initially he is the guy that I routinely rip for one of the worst outfits that a manager could wear it's a baseball cap with a uh, suit so it's one of the worst so even if it's not raining like I get if Conte is wearing it because it because of his wig thing but I mean the Yankini's bald so I didn't understand it but yeah they went back to Prendelli and then they went back there he has two years remaining left on his contract. The owner, Rocco Camiso, is from where I live in America. He came from Calabria over to America, and then he goes back there. Um, he's a very shrewd man who is stingy with his prices, a little similar to Daniel Levy. You know, when I was trying to tell Pet this, like when Harry Kane is, is at his age currently and he's demanding 150 million euros, you know when someone's asking for that amount of money, they're not going to sell until they get something close to that amount that they want or that exact amount because that's just the way people like that operate. And that's the way Camiso is. This 80 million euro thing, even Harry, if there was not two years left, say there was four years left on the contract, he's not worth that money. I don't, I don't, I don't see it with him. I think there's a lot of inconsistencies in his game. Last season was a breakout season. I don't like to harp or rip uh, – penalty goal scorers where a lot of the volume of their goals comes from that area. Um, because again, you still have to finish your chances at the end of the day. So you have to give respect to players like that. But this season, we've seen a lot more of the inconsistencies with it. There have been, you know, matches where he's completely taken out of the match by center backs. And, and, you know, even if midfielders helping Mark like that, if he's not having the ball created and sent into him, he has a large a large amount of the time struggling with it, you know, because he's not that great with hold-up play. He's strong, sure, but technically he's nothing unbelievable. He has scored a free kick that's, like, getting all over the place because everyone's like, oh, no, he's not getting these open play goals and everything. 
but we all know open play goals are often relative to the amount of creativity that's around you. Fiorentina is one of those teams that look great on paper, and then the second you see them play, you're like, okay, now we know why they finish mid-table every single season. I don't think he's worth 40 million euros at this current moment in time, but the way this position is, the way the market is, with two years left, I wouldn't be shocked if he went for that. But the 80 million euros being held out for, I think that's a joke. And I think if anyone's hanging up, it's Arsenal. Because why are you sitting there paying 80 million euros for a player that in reality has had one good season? Yep. Why is that Why is that worth the money for the project? Because our, it's good to take risks. I'm fine with taking risks, right? Like Victor Oshman, you don't know what he would have been turning out. But you have to pay some money to for that upside. Same thing would happen with Pepe. I don't think Arsenal should be in the business of taking another risk like this at the current moment. Um, I think they should be savvier with it. Like I was saying with Kessie, Kessie is someone you pay the amount of money for if it's a little pricey, if he's available, because he's a known commodity. Here, Dusan isn't as known of a commodity. He's had more inconsistencies. He's struggling. I think at the end of the day, he would actually be a pretty decent fit. I think he could adapt to the Premier League, but this is not something or or a player that's going to get on the ground. It's not a sure thing, is it? No. This is this is the least sure thing of a move for the price of a player that I've seen in in a, in a while, and probably the the most in Serie A. Like Chiesa was was like a known product. They knew that he was being played out of position at right wing back, and he was productive. Dusan's had one season, and a large majority of this season so far has been okay. He needs the penalties in order to get on the score sheet. And Fiorentina have improved as a team. They've been a little bit tougher, but. You can't have a player that you pay 80 million euros for that goes missing in matches. You can't have that. And I'm sorry, that's just the way I look at things. If I'm paying a certain amount of money, if you can get away with that, if you're Manchester City, sure, because you have the money and in, in, in the financials to do that. But when you're a football club like Arsenal, who at times can splash the cash, we've seen them do it in the transfer market, but it's not too often. You have to make sure when you do that, when you take those risks, it's a sure thing. I just don't think it's a sure thing. I don't think the price is fair. Um, and listen, they're playing a risky game here. Um, and that's Fiorentina. Because say this drags on for another four or five months, Harry. We're talking about where he's inconsistent for four or five months. We're in November right now. We're talking about near March. And he's got about almost a year left on his contract. So they go from 80 million euros from what they were asking to an inconsistent season, that price could drop even below the 48 million that's pictured on the screen. It's that, yeah. it's that, it's, it's that dire. Um, if I'm Arsenal, I wait this out, honestly. Like, okay, yeah. 80 million euros. Your competition, I don't think is going to be that crazy because of the asking price too. Yeah, I think when when you go after a, a young player who's a prospect, I think there is an acceptance that you're going to pay a little bit over the top because essentially you're paying for what they are and what they might become. But I think you're right. I think yeah. this this does, the more I think about this and the more I look into it and the more I speak to people like yourself who have a much better knowledge of the Italian game, the more you feel as though uh, this is just way over the top. Um Martino, thank you so much, mate. I uh, mm -hmm. don't want to keep you too long. Thank you for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, give people uh, a little uh, steer on how they can follow you, keep up to date with your great work, and tell them about State of Play. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll start with state of play first. We're obviously with 90 men. Um, been a little slow since all three of us started a new job recently. So it's kind of difficult to get everything going. We just cover all the the major European leagues for the for the most part. MLS is mixed in there. We get international breaks um, as well. Um, that's what Matt Santangelo and Pepperisha Pet. Uh, I I think has he been on here before? I think he has. Right? Yeah, he has once. I think. Yep. Yeah, big pet pet is uh more of an interesting type. He's more of the analytical type. So I get in arguments with him sometimes on certain things. Um, he rips on Messi a lot more. That's kind of what the back and forth. But we generally agree <laughs> on most things. Um, Milan Reports is another side project that I do as well. I write for the athletic and and all the football. Um, sports gambling so there's going to be four more pieces by the end of 2021 that i have to get to and i started with 1 37 p.m um so i'm running this these accounts called proper football if you follow me on twitter already i literally tweet almost every single morning to go and follow the twitter account it's just a bunch of different content that we make on tiktok um writing articles on the site on, on certain topics and stuff i'm just easing into the job at the current moment but i'm going to start writing a lot more making more videos um and all that stuff. So if you're interested in that, go and follow there. Um, it's proper football on Instagram, proper football on Twitter, and it's at football on TikTok. If you are um, a fan of uh, TikTok and all that stuff, but yeah, I know it's a lot of work, a lot of stuff, but I promise it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, thank you for having me on, Harry. It's great to talk to you. It's been a, it's been a few months actually because we've just all been so busy. Yeah, no problem at all. The pleasure is all ours. Thank you for your incredible insight, and uh, I'm sure we'll speak again soon, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to Arsenal for the rest of the season. Cheers, mate. That was the uh, brilliant Martino Puccio there of uh, the State of Play podcast, giving us the download on some of those Arsenal transfer targets. Uh, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, if you're listening via the audio platforms, then make sure you leave us a review. It's uh, great to hear uh, and see you all in the chat again. As always, we'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal-related content. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the international break. We'll be back soon with more. Take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to 